Greetings and welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. If you'd like to engage the show, feel free to reach me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Well, I'm checking in with the junior miner junkie, David Erfley, for our monthly check-in. And uh, David, welcome back to Mining Stock Education. And as you look at the gold price, we're in somewhat of a pullback right now. But what are the, the key indicators that you're looking at to determine what might happen next in the gold price? Well, um, we got the Federal Reserve minutes coming out here uh, today. This is this is Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to find out what uh, Powell has to, had to say uh, during the last meeting. But he had a but he had a speech yesterday, and he talked about uh, uh, incrementally increasing the, the reserve supply. You know, buying more treasuries and basically uh, more QE, but but not calling it QE. So, so the gold price reacted to that, and uh, but I'd like to see um, the gold price get over fifteen twenty-five here uh, to, to to see more upside. Um, but also, you have to look at fifteen fifty as really strong resistance going back to the last bull market, um, and we had a close above fifteen fifty on a daily basis, but not a weekly basis. Um, I, I, I recall back uh, during the last bull market um, when when the gold price went screaming over nineteen hundred dollars, and I, I I sold a lot of uh, my mining shares, and uh, but I kept a lot as well, <laughs> probably too much. Uh, but I remember saying to myself that uh, fifteen fifty was very strong support. It had been for uh, a couple of years back then, and once fifteen fifty broke in early twenty thirteen, that was all she wrote, and. Uh, the bear market was ushered in swiftly. So it makes sense that this level is very strong resistance as well. So until I see a, a weekly close above 1550, um, I think you're going to continue to see consolidation in the sector. Adrian Day has recently uh, said to me in, in an interview published earlier this week that there are a lot of quality projects and management teams of these junior miners that are just kind of plugging along, but their share price you know, doesn't reflect uh, the potential value. When we look at some of these juniors, they're trading at the lows of late 2015, early 2016. What would be your comment now about investors that want to jump in to the junior gold sector, but they're concerned about their downside? I would say just be very careful um, because uh, let's face it, I'd say 80, 80 to 85 percent of these juniors are not worth investing in. Um, you really have to do your due diligence and uh, make sure you get into the right ones if you're going to bottom feed. Because um, a lot of these companies, they don't have access to capital. They don't have the management teams that have the access to capital. And the longer that they that they trudge along near their lows, they have to keep diluting to keep the lights on. And uh, if if you're looking at companies, um, a red flag is for for like a, a small microcap junior to only raise five hundred, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's like keep the lights on money. Uh, you want to see who gets into these into these placements, uh, the owners, the uh, the uh, the investors. If there's if there's uh, a mid tier or a major that's takes taking a, a strategic placement, uh, you want to make sure that, that the right hands are getting into the stock, and you want to make sure that the the management team does have that access to to capital. Yeah, and even some of them that have the access to capital that I've talked to, they've said you know 
Bill, our um, our spending is tight. You know, we're on conservation mode. I've been told that by actually three companies in about the last month. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what happens. And if if you if you talk to these companies and they say that they're on in conservation mode, and then they end up only raising uh, the amount that I that I just mentioned, like five hundred thousand or seven hundred fifty thousand. I mean, that's not a company that I want to invest in. Uh, it's pretty much just keep the lights on money. Right now for you, if you're going to invest in a private placement opportunity, what would that look like? What kind of private placement opportunity would intrigue you enough that you would put your capital into it? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Bill. Um, I've shied away from private placements. I just got into one recently after saying that I wasn't going to do anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, some of them, they just look too tempting because um, as a U.S. investor, they make it more difficult for us. There's something called a legend removal process that takes longer for us to be able to sell our shares after the four month holding period. So if if we're into a, if we get into a private placement that doesn't look like it's go, it's going to do well in the short to medium term, and we want to get out of those shares and keep the warrants, um, we have to wait till all the Canadians get out of their shares first. By the time that happens, we're not getting very much for our shares. So. I'm not a person that, that, that generally likes to do that. Um, when I invest in a private placement, I believe in the company and I don't want to, I don't want to sell, sell the shares after four months, but, uh, sometimes, uh, market situations dictate that I should. So, um, but as far as what I'm looking for in a private placement, um, I'm looking for, uh, uh, a company that has a district scale size land package in a jurisdiction that that is that is a top tier jurisdiction. I'm I'm looking for a, 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 a tight share structure. I'm looking for management that owns a lot of the shares, and I'm going to ask them how much they paid for those shares. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to I'm I'm also going to look for um, who owns the stock already. What what's the ownership? Uh, structure like in 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 the stock, and also it's going to have to have a full two year warrant, or I'm not going to do the private placement. Mm-hmm. I was recently talking to a CEO of a private uh, exploration venture that wants to go public in the next few months, and just that question you brought up, Dave, I said uh, they were proposing um, the, my shares at fifty cents, and I said how much did you pay for your shares, and he said the first round was at a penny. The second round was at ten cents, and I believe the third round was at fifteen cents. So, yeah. how how can you fully be aligned? And he said, "Well, I assure you, we're not going to sell our shares, but buying <laughs> my shares at fifty times what you got your initial shares at." <laughs> yeah, your assurance doesn't mean that much when when I'm paying fifty times what you paid for yours, does it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that's that's why you really got to be careful, Bill. I mean, even if you're just investing in the shares in the market not through private placements. You know, you got to talk to these guys and going to these conferences is the best way to do it. Um, you go to the booth and you say, you want to talk to this, to, to the management, to the, preferably the CEO. You want to look him in the eye and you want to ask him these questions. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Orn Resources is a junior exploration company with the appetite of a major, focused on finding the next globally significant discovery to create enormous potential upside for shareholders. It's one of the most aggressive exploration companies pursuing high-grade, scalable gold and copper deposits and has a premier seven-project portfolio including its two flagships, Committee Bay in the Arctic and Sombrero in Peru. With Orin's unparalleled technical team and highly experienced management with a history of success in advancing and monetizing exploration assets, Orin has been called 
one of the best in the junior exploration sector. Orin trades on the TSX and NYSE under the ticker AUG. To learn more, go to orinresources.com. That's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. Dave, you invested in a company, Radisson Mining, which isn't the district scale uh, land package and exploration project that um, you know you share that you like to look for. Can you talk about why you went? This is a smaller project, but what attracted you to it? Yeah, that's. I'm glad you asked me about that. Um, I, for, number one, it's my favorite jurisdiction. The Cadillac Break uh, in Quebec is my favorite jurisdiction. Uh, number two. They're between two very large mines. Um, I am Gold's Westwood mine and um, Ignico Eco's Laurent mine. Uh, and uh, Ignico's Laurent mine goes down uh, over a mile, and it's very high grade. And um, the O'Brien mine, which is which is Radisson's project, at one at one time in the fifties was the highest grade gold mine in Quebec. Uh, they were they were mining over fifteen grams per ton. And until they until they mined a little too close to the shaft, it caved, and that was all she wrote. And um, nothing has become of that project until Radisson picked it up recently. I also liked who got into the private placement. Uh, it was um, uh, Rob McEwen took some of it, and I'll, I liked the terms. Um, the the hard dollar figure was was about three million, and only uh, uh, a half warrant. And uh, the uh, the flow through was at a higher price, and um, I like the fact that um, the management team owns a lot of shares at uh, pretty close to the to the uh, to the share price at the time of the finance, and um, I like the fact that the retail float is not too large. So I, I, I usually don't like uh, the share flow to be as large as Radisson's is, which is just over 150 million shares at an early, in an early stage project. But they have really strong ownership and there's not a lot of retail float in that uh, share structure. And they have a 300,000 ounce uh, gold resource right now. Right, exactly. That's that that that's another good point. And um, that cutoff grade on that resource is over seven grams per ton. So the project has not been drilled below 550 meters. They're in the process of drilling 20,000 meters right now. They're going to be having some drill results coming out any day now, and it's and the drill results are going to be steady through Q1, which is when this sector begins to heat up. So all. All of those factors made me say, okay, this is one I could take a chance on. And by take a chance on, this is, understand that this is a very high risk speculation. So I don't put any more than 2% of my investment capital into a high risk uh, junior, which is an early stage exploration project. Dave, I've been getting a couple emails about K92 Mining, which has been one of the best performing uh, shares in the last six months. Uh, What are your thoughts on K92 Mining? Initially, I wasn't interested in the project because Barrick had divested it and I was a little leery of, of the jurisdiction, but I, but I did watch it out of the corner of my eye and they've done a fantastic job of turning this mine around and uh, they've had some recent uh, jurisdictional problems, but um, their Q3 that just came out pretty much alleviated those problems and the stock is going back up. So 
Um, I wouldn't invest it now because I, I, I look at it as a, as a train that has already left the station. So, um, I know there's a lot of trains that are still sitting on the platform that I'd rather invest in. And, uh, but, but I, I, I think, uh, whoever holds shares, I wouldn't be selling. What about, I mean, could it become a Kirkland Lake or a West Dome though, where people see it leave the station, as you said, but then it just keeps rising for the next 18 months. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That's why I said that, it, it, that if I own shares, I, I wouldn't sell them. But okay. uh, uh, I'm just I'm just not a person that likes to chase price. <laughs> Dave, uh, over the last month, you've been at Beaver Creek. Um, we, you did the Denver. Uh, did you do the Denver conference as well? No. Um, all the companies that I want to speak with come to uh, Beaver Creek. Okay. And um, that's a long, it's, it's, it's even longer now. They added a day, so it's four days. Mm-hmm. And I have a six-year-old at home that I don't like to be away from very long. So um, just, uh, just a, a four- to five-day trip is, is, is the longest I like to take. And, and the Denver Gold Forum really doesn't, doesn't offer very much for me. Well, then at Beaver Creek and in the conversations you've had since then, uh, what's been the most insightful thing that somebody shared with you in a conversation about the gold sector? Oh, geez. Um, at Beaver Creek, it was all the information I, I was getting from, uh, from uh, buy side and sell side. Um, you know, um, as far as, as far as capital markets are concerned, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to gauge, uh, how the capital markets were feeling about the sector and they're, they're still very, uh, cautious about this move and, um, does, you know, understandably so, um, they, I got the, I came away with the feeling that, that, uh, they'd like to see the gold price hold up above that breakout level at least for two quarters before they really start opening up the purse strings and going down the food chain to some of these juniors and, and investing their capital, which is understandable because, um, we had a, we had a bear market that was pretty brutal and where the, we saw the GDX go down 84% from 2011 to, to late 2015, early 2016. And, uh, once, um, we had that bounce, um, in the GDX on January 17th, which lasted about uh, six months and went up about 160%. The capital markets got a little over enthused and, and, and um, were pretty much financing everything and they got burned. So um, they would, they, they would rather see this gold price, this uh, breakout hold up before they get before they get too comfortable in investing in these higher risk juniors. Adrian Day referenced in a recent interview with me that a lot of the the mid-tiers that may be looking to add projects are waiting to see what uh, Barrick and Newmont Goldcorp do with their second tier projects that they're going to unload before they buy any projects. Do you think there's any connection or correlation between that activity, that potential M&A activity and some of these institutional funds that are still on the sidelines, but are really taking a close look at the gold sector now? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's very interesting. that that, uh, Glad you brought that up. When you see the two largest gold miners in the world speak about divesting projects, while you have Australian uh, miners coming over to North America and, and, and buying projects, adding projects. And now you have South African miners, South African uh, PGM miners coming over to North America and buying PGM mines. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're, 
they're ab- absolutely gauging what's going to come of this divesting of, of Barrick and Newmont assets for sure. What about tax law selling, Dave? As we come into Q4 here, where are opportunities for investors? What should we be aware of? Oh, yeah, there's always opportunities in tax law selling. I mean, the longer these juniors that haven't that haven't uh, participated in in this move in in the gold sector, um, the longer they wallow down in, in you know at lower prices, they're susceptible to tax loss selling. So the underperformers, the under the the precious metal underperformers are susceptible to tax loss selling, but mostly uh, base metal plays, especially copper and zinc juniors, they're going to be very susceptible to tax loss selling. And as a matter of fact. I think most of their tax loss selling has probably already taken place. You know, if I'm a if I'm a precious metals, uh, in, if, if I'm a junior investor in, into these high risk uh, into these high risk uh, companies, and uh, the gold price was going from, you know, from from uh, the 1350 area to the 1550 area. And I got these base metal plays that I'm sitting on that aren't going anywhere, and I don't think they're going to go anywhere because this trade war looks like it's never going to end. I'm selling for tax loss in July, in August, in September. So I think a lot of that tax loss selling has already taken place in some of these base metal plays and, and uranium plays also. And uranium's ten, uranium juniors tend to bottom in November. You take a look at at uh a lot of these uranium juniors they tend to bottom in november so um that might be um an opportunity for some people who have uh very high risk tolerance and have a long-term uh view of a a long-term view of of holding uh uranium stocks because you know those those can be especially uh volatile and especially risky because if if there's a nuclear accident anywhere on the planet they're going to get hard so uh, that's that that's that, that's a sector that that uh, that requires a, a much stronger stomach. <laughs> so in the last two years, I've observed you've been in and out of uh, uranium juniors. You do yes. have a uranium junior on your watch list now. So is that a possibility for you next month? Then that is that is that is a possibility. Yeah, you mentioned my watch list. I have a watch list of twenty companies that uh, I like to follow just in case I want to I, I want to sell something in my portfolio and replace it. I have a watch list. Of, of vetted companies that I've already that I've already done a lot of research on that I feel that would be that would be good speculations at a, at at a particular price. David's website is juniorminerjunkie.com. Dave, is your subscription service, which is limited to 250 people, is that completely filled up right now? Yes, it's it's filled up right now, but I'm beginning to get some uh, cancellations, so um, I'll be announcing some openings here pretty soon. I like to wait till I get uh, you know at, at least you know, five to five to 10 openings before I, before I, uh, send out an email to people on a watch list. I do have a watch list. So if you go to my website and you clip up, click, click on the, uh, subscribe tab, there's a waiting list that you can sign up to. And there's, there's about 25 people on it now. And what I will do is I will send out an email to everybody on the waiting list. And it'll be a first come first serve basis. If you'd like to subscribe. Excellent. The website again is junior minor junkie. Minor is spelled with an E and junkie is spelled with a Y. Dave, as always, I appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining me.
Always great to talk to you, Bill. Thanks for having me. Otis Gold Corp is a gold development and exploration company with quality projects in the pro mining state of Idaho. Otis's flagship Kilgore project has a resource of 961,000 gold ounces, and its recently published preliminary economic assessment demonstrated an impressive post-tax IRR of 53% at $1,500 gold. In addition to the significant expansion potential at Kilgore, Otis is exploring its highly prospective Oakley project. This Carlin-type gold deposit already has an inferred resource in pre previous near-surface drilling intersected 123 meters of 0.69 grams per ton gold. Otis Gold Corp trades in New York under the ticker OGLDF and in Toronto under the ticker OOO, that's triple O. To learn more, go to otisgold.com, that's otisgold.com. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education Podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.